Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So what do you have to do when you're in that situation? Many of you are in that situation already. Don't you just trust God? God says, stay there. So Paul says, stay there. That's God's will for you. Yeah, it's difficult, but stay there. We always think if we get out of this and get to another relationship, some other woman, some other man, that grass is greener. Let me just say this to you. Grass is greener, but every grass has crabgrass. Am I right? And you're going to have to do some weeding out there too, baby. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Nobody likes to be in a difficult relationship. One of the toughest is one in which one of the spouses is a Christ follower and the other is not. Spiritually, they're in two different kingdoms, and those kingdoms are at war with each other, whether the couple realizes it or not. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about these tough situations and what Scripture has to say about them. If you find yourself in a place described by Paul, Pastor Mark has some tough but encouraging things to say to you in this message today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Matthew, chapter 19, with today's edition of Lessons for Living. turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The first place I'm actually going to be is the book of Matthew, so you can actually turn there. Keep your finger where you've turned to 1 Corinthians 7. We'll be right back. But you can go to Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 19. It's very important you understand God knows how to speak to his people. The chapter that we read in many of the chapters that we read in the scripture really should have never been in the scripture. If man would have always obeyed God, we never have to deal with, well, how do you ask for forgiveness? What happens with a stronghold in your life? What about drugs and alcohol? And what about hating somebody and killing somebody? We wouldn't have needed the Ten Commandments if we'd have simply obeyed God from right from the beginning, but that didn't happen. And so you and I were all born with a DNA of sin, which is simply S-I, you in the middle, and it means selfishness. Now, when we begin to look at marriage... It's the same problem. You have two imperfect people that God puts together. And I just want to say this off the top. What we're going to read as we go through quickly divorce and separation and singleness and all of that. Definitely don't feel discouraged. I want you to feel encouraged. 22 years we've been here. And all of us as pastors and leaders have seen so many marriages destroyed. But we've seen so many marriages renewed, put back together from disastrous things. So let me just ask you to turn to your neighbor and just say this. 
there's always hope with God. Would you do that right now? There's always hope with God. Now, some of these that we went through at the start of those counseling sessions, they had no hope. But you know what God does when those people get through that? They're able to go to somebody else, not as a pastor, not as a counselor, just as a friend, and say, you know what? We've been right where you were. But God was the difference. He put our marriage back together. So our world doesn't look at marriage like we look at marriage. You understand that. They take God out of the equation. Marriage is a threesome. God at the top, man and woman. Now, here's a headline just recently, just came out. I think it's very encouraging for us to see how the world looks. Here was the article. A high divorce rate means it's time to try wed leases. Now, this is the headlines. And every Christian goes, oh, that's stupid. They don't think it's stupid. Let me read it to you. We all know far too many marriages end in divorce. Yet this institution never adapts. So why don't we borrow from real estate and create a marital lease? Instead of a wedlock, a wed lease. Here's how a marital lease could work. Two people commit themselves to marriage. That's good. Here's the bad part. For a period of years. One year, five years, ten years. Whatever term suits them. The marital lease could be renewed at the term however many times a couple likes. In fact, it could end up as a lifetime of a good relationship that's worth continuing. But if their relationship is bad, the couple could go their separate ways at the end of the term. The messiness of divorce is avoided, and the end can be as simple as vacating a rental unit. Now, what is the world looking at? The world is looking at marriage as a contract. The Bible teaches us that marriage is a covenant. It's very different. So God would never look at marriage like this. And so Paul speaks to us. What does Jesus and Paul tell us about divorce? Matthew 19, verse 3. Now some Pharisees came to him, Jesus, to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus doesn't even address their question, but he goes to the heart of the problem. He says this, haven't you read? He replied, then at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become flesh for at least one year. (laughs) Is that what he said? They are no longer two, but one. Now here's God's comment to a wed lease. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus took him back to where? The beginning. Back to God's basic design. And he actually quotes Genesis 2, 24. 
you know, we have a lot of liberals today that say the book of Genesis is just man's ideas. It has nothing to do with God. That's foolishness. Jesus went right back. <laughs> he is the word. Now, you don't need to write this down, but it's a good memory for us. Let's understand that we look at marriage the way God looks at marriage because we're Christians. We look through the lens of the Bible. Here it is. Marriage was designed by God to be a permanent threesome. God, one husband who loves God, and one wife who loves God for life. That was the design of God. So notice Jesus commands two believers not to divorce. Why? For all the reasons you know about the disaster of divorce. Now, I want you to get your eyes up. I want you to ask me a question first. Then I want you to look around the room. How many of you know a close relative, a close friend, someone in the family, someone that you hang with from time to time that's already been divorced? Let me see your hand. Just take a look around. Now, if we'd have done that 50 years ago, it had been a very different thing. But it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. So let me write you the bad news and then write you the good news. You need to write this down. God hates divorce. Now, why does he hate it? Because he knows the disaster, the hurt, the difficulties with the children, with the spouses, all of those things. But here's the other thing you need to write down. God loves divorced people. We're not easy on divorce. God isn't easy on divorce. But God's a God of grace. Could I hear an amen somewhere? So divorce is not the unpardonable sin. But you'll see later, anytime we sin, we choose to suffer. And that's exactly what happens. So as you go through this, what does God say about divorce? And what are the stipulations that, because of grace, he puts in to our lives? Now look at verse 7. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife her certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, and I want you to circle this in your Bible, Moses permitted, it was never God's design, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. And I think it's important you write in the side part of your Bible, hard toward God and hard toward the spouse. See, it wasn't just to the spouse. It really first starts with their relationship with God. And how does a hard heart become hard? disobedience over and over again. But notice what Jesus says. But it was not this way from the beginning. It wasn't God's design. So I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and marries another, commits adultery. So this sinful nature got charged. God permits it in certain situations. He never prescribes it. He doesn't recommend it, but he permits it. Now, let me give you just two Biblical reasons for divorce and remarriage. Here's the first one. You can write it down. Jesus just gave it to us. And I've added a word so you'll understand it. Persistent lifestyle of sexual immorality. Now that word that Jesus uses in that verse on marital unfaithfulness is really pornea. And it covers this same range we talked about of sexual sins. Homosexuality, bestiality, incest, pornography, And of course, adultery. So Jesus says because of man's selfishness, his hard heart toward God and his spouse, they can do this. Now, really a simple definition of pornea is sex outside of God's design. Now, what does this refer to? 
And a lot of people, when they're struggling in their marriage, if they're both Christians, and one of the spouses has an affair, let's say a one-time affair, well, this individual, if their heart has already been hurt and they're not into restoration, they're going to say, I'm divorcing you. God said I can divorce you. But that word really means ongoing. See, God is always into restoration. When you and I sin, God wants us to restore. In Galatians 6.1, when we see someone into sin, his whole goal is to restore. The goal of the church is restoration. It isn't isolating people out from God's grace. So as you begin to see this, God's real solution for that couple, where there is adultery, some kind of pornea, is for them to be restored in their love for each other and their love for God. But again, if the heart is hard, It's going to be a difficult time getting there. It's always a matter of the heart. And that's why Proverbs says, guard your heart. Because out of that comes the issues of life. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And you will see Paul continue this topic as he walks through it. To the married, I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. In other words, Jesus said this, a wife must not separate from her husband. So Paul addresses, in the first part of our teaching, a marriage where both spouses are real believers. Now, what is the ideal if I keep my heart soft toward God and to my spouse, and she does the same to me? Marriage will simply always be a piece of cake. It's very simple. There's never any issues It just always gets better and better and better. Is anybody awake out there? Or are you going like, who's he talking about? I saw you turn to your spouse. Now cut it out. No, marriage is really the most difficult thing you've ever tried, isn't it? But it's so rewarding. So what are we talking about here? What is the real design of it? Well, here's the goal. And you know it well. Ideally... Two real Christ followers should never divorce. You say, well, what if there's an affair? Then you ought to be forgiving. Well, I don't want to forgive. Well, how did you become a believer? Well, God forgave me, but that's different. No, it's not different. It's the same. So that's ideally. How many know we don't live in an ideal world? So you can have a real Christian and you have a carnal Christian. You have all these kind of scenarios. So... God can always come in and rekindle and start it up again if we'll allow him. Now look at verse 11. If she does, she must remain unmarried or else be, here it is, restored, reconciled to her husband. And a husband, same deal, must not divorce his wife. So Paul acknowledges that that's going to happen. There is going to be a time maybe that they have to separate for all kinds of issues But what are their options? When there are two Christians and they're both really believers, the two options really that we see here, number one is separate permanently and just remain unmarried, or more ideally what? Get reconciled back to your spouse. Now, that time away sometimes just gives time for somebody else to come in, counsel, give an opportunity for God to heal the differences and do all those kind of things. Now, Paul next deals with something different. And I'll talk about what happens when people don't do that. They're really two believers, and they refuse to do that. What happens? I'll talk about that in a moment. Paul moves on, and he now deals with 
a spouse that's a believer and a spouse that's not a believer. Here we go. To the rest, verse 12, I say this, I, not the Lord, because Jesus didn't speak about this, but Paul's writing it under the influence of the Holy Spirit, so it's Scripture. Jesus just talked about divorce. He didn't talk about unbeliever and believer. And I had a lot of conversation with people. I don't have time to go into it today. But remember, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they just stayed with Jewish people. You didn't marry a person that didn't believe in God. But God warned them, what? Don't marry people that are pagans. But what did they do? (laughs) They married people that were pagans. He said, if you do it, they'll take your heart away from me. Hello, what happened? Exactly the same thing. So Jesus wasn't even going there. That was a given. A Jew would always be with a Jew. But now we have a different thing. We have Gentiles in the Roman government, the Roman kind of situation. They're Gentiles and there's Jews and they're going to have mixtures of marriages. You'll see how that looks. So he says this, to the rest, I say this, if a brother, again, a believer, has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing That's the key. Circle that word, willing. If she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and she is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. So in Paul's day, what was happening? It's not too unsimilar to many parts of the world today. In Paul's day, Paul was ministering He'd always go to the Jews first, but often they weren't interested in listening to him. So he went next door and he began to minister to the Gentiles. Gentiles were pagans. They had no background of anything, multiple gods, all of those kind of things. So they'd become a believer. And so you're as a husband or you're a wife and you actually go home and you say to your spouse, there's this guy named Paul and I heard him teach and I believe I'm a sinner and there is only one God and I ask that God to come into my life and change me and forgive me and I'm going to serve that God and I'm going to be going to listen to Paul teach. And the spouse's reaction would be over time, one of two things. That's fine with me. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going, but that's okay with you. I mean, even if you want to take the kids and you think that's good, that's perfectly fine with me. Or the other reaction of the spouse would be what? Look, that's foolishness. What do you mean, one God? There's, no, there's millions of gods. I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm out of here. So that's the two reactions. It's very similar. If you go to India today, if you go to Muslim countries and a person comes home, a little more difficult than just separate. Many Muslim people, people are killed for it. India, Thailand, you announce in your home that you're a believer you're usually abandoned by your family. Get out of the house. Never want to see you again. Don't even know your name. Not interested in you. We don't really have that too much here. So it's hard for us, but it was very true in that day. Now, Paul responds, if in the first case, if the person wants to remain, stay white where you're at. Now look at verse 14. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified. Let me explain that to you in a moment by his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified to her believing husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, skip to verse 16. We'll be back to 15 in a moment. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So what is Paul saying? Why should they remain? Why wouldn't it just be easier to go out and get a believing 
Gentile or even a believing Jew and be your spouse? Well, because marriage is supposed to be for life. And so the believing spouse, what Paul says is, you will have an influence in the home. And I've always taught this. If a house has believers and unbelievers, it's important that there's light in the house. It's important that there's God's light in the house. For the family, for the children, for the unbelieving spouse. This is what Paul's talking about. This influence in the home by the believer, and Peter actually writes to it later, that this positive influence, the believing spouse will have upon the unbelieving spouse and the children that are in the home. Now, how difficult is it to be a believer with an unbeliever in a home? It's usually very difficult. Because often the unbeliever won't what? Come to church. They won't have a devotion with you. They won't pray with you. And then something's a disaster. And then they'll pray. And so it's lonely. So what do you have to do when you're in that situation? Many of you are in that situation already. Don't you just trust God? God says stay there. So Paul says stay there. That's God's will for you. Yeah, it's difficult. But stay there. We always think if we get out of this and get to another relationship, some other woman, some other man, grass is greener. Let me just say this to you. Grass is greener, but every grass has crabgrass. (laughs) Am I right? And you're going to have to do some weeding out there too, baby. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. So there's nothing perfect because it's you and it's me. Now, look at verse 15. But why is Paul doing this? Because we know that the people wrote Paul and said, explain this to us. We don't know what to do. Isn't it good you can turn to the Bible and know what to do? This is amazing. So these these are things Paul going, hmm, I wonder what I should write about. It was like questions from the people that had written them. What do we do in this situation? I went home and here's what happened. What do we do here? And I guess we should just divorce automatically and make sure we're going to marry a real believer. Because you're going to see in verse 39 at the end of this chapter, only marry a believer. So the unbeliever's thinking, okay, I'm a believer now. Uh, I guess I, hi, hon, uh, see ya. You want to become a Christian? If not, bye. That's what they were thinking. So Paul has to write and say, no, 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 here's how you respond. Here is the difficult one. But if the unbeliever leaves... Let him or her do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. And the book of Romans speaks a lot about peace. The marriage is difficult, but it should be peaceable. It's a unity. Can two walk together unless they agree? Of course not. So it should be a unity. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the difference between the world's view of marriage and how God and His people view marriage. You learned the difference between a contract and a covenant, why God chose to require that marriage be a covenant. You were reminded that even though God hates divorce, He loves divorced people. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching of the second part of 1 Corinthians 7. He'll be talking about marriage and the challenges that men and women had with being married to an unbelieving spouse. You'll hear what the Apostle Paul had to say about such situations. You'll find out what God's love can do in your life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.